You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. Father, we come before you this morning thankful to be uh, gathered together to think about you, to reflect on who you are and how amazing you are. I love the two songs that we just sang right now as a congregation. Uh, Father, we know as you listen to us, uh, I could sense, I could see, I could feel your, your face beaming as your children proclaim the truths of how amazing you are, of how you have come to our rescue, that our lives would be lifted high, Father, because of how amazing you are. Father, we know that you have in store for us this year many victories. Father, we know that you have in store for us this year many difficulties. Many challenges, many, many, many possible tragedy in our life. And yet we come before you thankful and acknowledging that you are Lord. You are righteous. You are in control. We choose today, Father, as your people to proclaim Loudly, that you have come to our rescue. That we can be your sons and daughters only because of your love, your grace, your mercy shown to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The Bible reads in Hebrews chapter 11, as we talk about what God calls us, who God calls us to be and to do this year. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible, verse 6 says, to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith, a confidence, a serene trust that God is in control no matter, no matter our circumstances. That without this type of trust, without this type of faith, it is impossible to please God. In our walk with God, in our approach to Christianity, this will always be our main issue. Faith. Will I trust God? Do I believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him? It all boils down To our faith. Your whole year, 2019, is dependent on your trust in God. Do you believe that? I believe that wholeheartedly. I was thinking about what I wanted to 
proclaim and preach this Sunday. And I was looking through all different notes from this past year, what God had taught us as a congregation and taught me. And, and, and some of the elements of what I'm going to be talking about today are somewhat repetitive. You've heard me say this maybe in 2018, or you've heard it's at some, at some meeting or some midweek or some Sunday, you've probably heard some of these uh, thoughts that I'm going to present today because I was thinking about our new year and I'm like, man, if there's anything that God is going to want from his people, it's going to be faith. It's going to be faith. It's going to be trusting, believing that God exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is a confidence. It's certainty. It's sure. Just like I am sure and certain that my wife is my wife. That's how faith is. God is saying, that's what faith is. You are certain. You are sure. There's no doubt. And even when there is doubt, there's an earnestness to seek him. And trust him. Trust is the foundation of any relationship when you really think about it. Trust is the foundation of any relationship. Marriage, parenting, doing your homework, class, classwork, employer, employee, brother and sister, uncle, aunt, grandma, grandma whatever. Trust is the foundation. Of any relationship we find ourselves in. It's not obedience. It's not knowledge. But it's trust. This is the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. God had selected a people to be his own. And yet, in their history... He, they, they go and they are enslaved by Egypt and God comes in and rescues them and saves them and provides all these incredible miracles that they would look to him and trust him. There's a relationship that he's seeking with his people and then he provides the law, the Ten Commandments. Or 600 plus commandments that we find in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers. The law came after the relationship was already established. You see what I'm saying here? The relationship precedes the law. The trust, the relationship is more important. Because through that then will come an adherence to a law. Sin, our sin, is basically at the foundational level is us not trusting in God. You may say, well, it's pride or it's selfishness. Yeah, it's all that stuff. But the foundational, at the core of it all, sin is basically saying, I don't trust you, God. Therefore, I will do things my way. When Jesus 
comes on the scene, what he's looking for over and over and over again, what you find that he questions over and over again is not if you're going to obey him, not if you're going to show up to church or synagogue every Sabbath, not not any not the adherence to the Ten Commandments. In fact, he broke some of those commandments. Jesus, what he's looking for over and over and over again is, will you trust me? Do you trust me? Where is your faith? Why are you so afraid? Matthew chapter 8. Let's turn our Bibles here. Matthew chapter 8. We find an incredible interaction. We're going to read an interaction in Matthew 8, one in Matthew 9, one in Matthew 10 that kind of illustrates what Jesus prioritizes. In Matthew 8 and verse 5, the gospel writer writes, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Now, it's funny how Jesus is. This guy, this centurion is a Roman centurion. He is in charge of about 80 to 100 soldiers in, in Capernaum. He's a man of leadership. He's a man of authority within the community. He's a Gentile, in fact. He's not a Jew. He's not... He's probably a believer in multiple gods, not just one God. And he comes to Jesus and asks for help. And Jesus, I'm sure Jesus knew what he was asking and wanting. But I love how Jesus presses him a little bit. Well, what do you want me to do? You want me to come over and help him? You want me to heal him? And kind of leaves it. Awkward silence. Pause. The centurion replies, Lord, I do not deserve, in verse 8, to have you come under my roof. But just say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him. Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The centurion felt comfortable enough to approach Jesus. This centurion represents everything that the Jewish community hates. They are being oppressed by the Roman uh, authorities. They don't trust Roman authorities. He represents everything that the Jew is against And wants to get away from. In fact, it is not even accepted for there to be interaction and conversation with those outside of Judaism. And this man, for some reason, had heard about Jesus. Had maybe seen what Jesus had done. And felt comfortable enough to approach Jesus and ask for favor that he knew and trusted only Jesus could do. 
He tells Jesus that he is one who is under authority, under Roman authority, but he has authority then over Roman soldiers. And he is acknowledging right there that he knows that Jesus as a man is under someone's authority because he's having authority over all these diseases and all these issues going on in the community. He's acknowledging right there, there is someone more powerful, someone who is working through this man. And he's saying, Ben, listen, don't even come to my house. Just say the word. Just say the word. I trust you. I trust that what you say is going to happen. And my servant will be healed. No other time in the Gospels is it mentioned that Jesus is amazed. The only other time it's mentioned that he's amazed at, at, their, at a people's lack of faith. Jesus, Matthew records saying that Jesus was amazed, surprised, astonished, shocked by this Gentile's faith. Then he says something here in verse 11. He says, I say that I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And he's, he's acknowledging the fact that, man, this, this, what is happening right now is an illustration of what's going to happen. There will be men and women from all walks of life coming in to have dinner here with Abraham, Isaac, with the people of Israel. In other words, that the gospel message was meant to be brought and, and, and put out there through the people of God. He says, but the subjects of the kingdom, the Israelites, these verse 12, will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like you guys, he's saying, you guys don't get it. Israelites, you guys don't get it. This guy who doesn't even know if he believes in a one God religion and faith has more faith than you guys. And you guys have all the promises and all the covenants and all the Old Testament law and all the times that the history and the richness of all of that. And you don't get it. And Jesus said to the centurion, verse 13, go, let it be done just as you not said, but believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. The centurion probably didn't know the commandments He was not allowed in the temple. He maybe didn't even speak the language, but he knew something about Jesus that not even the Jews would believe. And Jesus honored his faith by healing his servants. Think about your 2018. How did you handle your circumstances? How did you handle difficulty and challenge? What, what did you pray for? Would Jesus be amazed at your faith? Would he say, wow, that guy really trusted me when everything around him was falling apart? That girl, man, she trusted me. I'm amazed by, I I don't even know if she'll, I don't even know if she'll get what she prayed for. But man, she trusted and walked by faith 
Would Jesus be amazed at your faith? In Luke 9, turn over there in verse 27. Luke 9, verse 27. Then Jesus goes along and he's healing people and he's having, I mean, Jesus, Matthew records some incredible interactions here uh, that, that, that Jesus is having. And he's on, he's on his way uh, to different town. And in fact, right before this interaction that we're going to read, he's on his way to heal, to raise a dead child. And on his way, a woman who's been bleeding for multiple years without healing reaches out and touches his garment. He, she says, man, maybe if I just touch his garment, I could be healed. And he turns around and he tells her, it's your faith that healed you. Not your faith in like just, I believe. No, it's your trust in the one who could heal that healed you. And then right after that, it says in verse 27, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do, look at the question again. Same as the centurion, shall I come and heal? Do you believe... That I'm able to do this? Jesus doesn't look at their circumstance. He doesn't evaluate their condition and their blindness. He doesn't ask them questions about their parents and their upbringing and what they believe, if they have obeyed the commandment or not, if they've been to synagogue in the past few weeks or not. He doesn't ask. He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And the guys say, yes, Lord. Verse 29, and he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus responds to their faith with a miraculous healing. According to your faith, because you believe and absolutely trust me, let it be done to you. Jesus, he's looking for faith. Will we believe? Will we trust him in his way? In 2019, Jesus is looking for faith. Will he be amazed by the faith of his people? Lastly, here we see Matthew chapter 10. Let's read here in another interaction. Matthew chapter 10, right after this, in verse 16. So Matthew, uh, uh, Jesus is giving instruction to his disciples before he sends them out to preach the good news and and so what we do is we, we jump into the middle of the conversation, into the middle of the, the, the meeting here between Jesus and his guys. And we see here in verse 16, it says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Now, imagine being Matthew or, or, or John or Peter or one of the guys in this meeting. You have just experienced Jesus do all these miracles. This is awesome. We're popular. We're hanging out with Jesus. We're in the, we're in the no. We're in the circle of trust. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these guys are like in the mix with Jesus. And Jesus says, all right, come over here, guys. Let's have a, let's have a little, little uh, meeting here. Um, so here's what's going to happen. I'm sending you out with full authority to heal and to, and to you know, exercise demons and to raise the dead and to preach the good news. I'm set, go out there. Here's what you got to do. Do this, this, enter the house. If they accept you, they accept me and all these kinds of things. Oh, and by the way, here's the thing. 
be on your guard. Because you're going to be handed eventually over to local councils and flogged in synagogues. And I just want to get you ready. And actually, because of me, they're going to hate you. And actually, when they arrest you, not if they arrest you, when they arrest you, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. Don't worry. I don't know about you. I probably would have excused myself from that meeting and from that circle. Jesus peers into their future, and this is very confusing for them because at that time they're very popular. He says, when they arrest you, not if they arrest you. He says, don't worry about the say what, don't worry what to say because it's going to come to you. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you. And they're probably not even thinking about what they're going to say. They're, they're still stuck on the wait. When they arrest me, for what? They're thinking about the arrested parts. At that time, he says in verse 20, you will be given what to say, for I will not be speaking. It will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through it. That in the middle of the trial, God's going to get involved. Well, if he's going to be involved and God knows I'm going to be arrested and flogged and gives me what to say, why doesn't he just keep me away from being arrested and flogged? And they're probably thinking, you can, tip, you can just imagine the wheels turning in their heads. Why would we follow this guy if he's promising arresting, flogging, hate, hate, people hating us and being confused by us and not willing to listen to us? He says in verse 21, says, brother will betray brother to death and the father, his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. And then he brings it, he brings it to a close and he brings, he, as he's sharing this, he's bringing them to a place of tension where he wants all of us to be. A place of doubt or confusion or even anger. And then he says this, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Wait, I'm going to be arrested, flogged, put on trial. People are going to hate me. And all you tell me is do not be afraid. That's all the comfort I get. Don't be afraid. Jesus knows all this. And he says, just don't be afraid. But we'll be beaten and flogged. I know. And when you are, don't be afraid. But they're going to hate us. They're not going to listen to us. They're not going to understand. I know. But don't be afraid. But Jesus, all these people are going to be so confused. And you're telling me that people are going to even not like each other. Children are going to put their parents to death because of you. I know. Don't be afraid. In the midst of the trial, don't be afraid. In the midst of the hatred, don't be afraid. In the midst of the confusion, don't be afraid. And he continues, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? 
Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. In spite of everything that will happen, in the midst of all that will happen, do not be afraid. And Jesus takes us. He takes his guys and he takes all of us to a place where our faith in God is so strong, so big, so deep, so secure in God's love that even in the midst of circumstances where it feels like God has forgotten us or never even knew us, we hear him whisper, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Do not fear. And that's confidence in God. That's faith and assurance, a certainty, a faith so strong, so secure, so confident that when bad things happen, fear does not control the outcome of faith so big, so strong. So secure, so confident that it overwhelms fear. A faith that overwhelms fear. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into today. To follow him to a place where our faith and confidence in God is so strong that we don't need to be afraid. Even in circumstances that would terrify you, you won't be afraid. What would someone like you do? What would someone like me do if I was absolutely confident and sure that God was with me? You know, we did a whole December. We talked about God with us, right? God is with us in the storms, in the valleys, in the wilderness. God is with us always, right? But if I really believed that... What kinds of decisions would I make? How would I approach? How would you approach? How would I approach my job, my family, school, if I was completely confident and secure in God's plan and protection? How would you approach that tough conversation? What kind of goal would you make for your 2019 if you were sure and certain that God was in control. You know, this uh, month, uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate uh, one year of having started our downtown Long Beach ministry. Uh, amen. And I am so proud of our disciples who uh, decided to be part of this new venture to start a a church, really a ministry in uh, the downtown Long Beach area, reaching out to people on that side of town. And um, already God is blessed with people being uh, baptized and people being restored. And it's become sort of a, a community where people uh, feel like they can belong before they join. 
And so there are people that have been studying the Bible to become disciples for a long time, for a year almost, but they just feel like they're part of that community. Does that make sense? It's actually pretty awesome. And I'm so proud of uh, our singles ministry because this, this past summer, uh, we said, man, we need a few more singles to go over there and really help uh, boost up our downtown ministry. We had several singles uh, go over and are part of that ministry. And I just really want to lift up DK and Marissa because they've done an incredible job leading this ministry. But, but it was a moment, there was several moments for me personally at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, where it was like, man, am I... Okay, can you hear me now? All right, great. Eddie. Um, hey, I love Eddie Rivera. Do you love Eddie Rivera? I love that guy. Okay, so here's the deal with Eddie. Here's the deal with Eddie. Let me, let me talk about Eddie real quick. I just need to brag on your brother Eddie right here. Eddie comes here every Sunday morning by 8 a.m., to set everything up. Not every other. He's not on team A or team B. He's every Sunday. He's here. And he's leading the rest of the crew and coordinating the rest of the crew to be able to set this up. Not only does he set this up, but then he breaks it down, which gets into the time that he could have in fellowship. Not only does he do that, but he's a teen leader in our teen ministry. All right? An amazing teen leader in our teen ministry mentoring young men in their faith and helping them to grow in their faith. Not only does he do that, but he's also part of our Champions of Hope ministry, helping our community service projects advance. Okay, not only does he do that, but all of the, a lot of the Facebook page communication and social media stuff, he does, not only does he do that, he takes, he, he videotapes every Sunday and then takes it home and edits it 
and post it up on our YouTube channel so that people can have it on our YouTube channel and watch the videos from our services. That's an awesome man of God right there. I, I really want to lift him up because I feel like, you know, two years ago, Two years ago, Eddie came to me and he said, Ruben, I just came. He went to Mexico for this mission trip. It was an incredible time. He had an awesome experience. And he just came back to the Ruben, I just, I just want to serve. What can I do? How can I help? As a single man, sisters, <laughs> as a single man, he has chosen to use, I, I just love it. There's a faith aspect I'm going to trust God with what he's given me and use it to his glory and help serve God and his people to the glory of God. That's Eddie. Give him a big hug. Hey, if you want to, if you want to take him out to dinner or if you want to take him out to coffee or if you want to, if you're a sister and want to take him out on a date, hey, he's right there. I'm on a complete tangent now. I don't even know where I am in the sermon, but uh, let's have a... Uh, communion, I guess. Um, (laughs) My wife, land that plane. All right. I didn't want to say one thing. There's just one thing about faith that I want to challenge the church on. One thing about faith I want to challenge you on, and then we're going to uh, wrap it up. Second Peter says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So it's not just an issue of I believe, I trust God, and I'm going to stay in that moment. No, it's, a, it's an issue of adding to it. And then that scripture, it, it gives different characteristics, you know, uh, perseverance and self-control and add to your faith. Continue growing. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed. From their past sins. Now, this is a very challenging verse because he's basically saying if you're not growing in your faith, if you're not growing in your trust in God, if you're not growing in, in, in your confidence in God, then you are nearsighted and blind, ineffective and unproductive, and have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. That's challenging. I use an image here that I've used. In several settings before, that, so if you've seen this before, you'd be like, oh, this again? Actually, Marina told me not to use this, but I was like, I, I think it just helps me. It helps me in my thinking, and I think repetition, uh, I, heard one, I heard one evangelist tell me one time, repetition is the mother of all wisdom. So here you go. This is a repetition here. Some of us in our faith are stuck right here. Peter Pan faith. You're a Toys R Us kid. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid, you know, and you want to go to Never Never Land in your faith. You just want to stay in this element of I'm just, and it's not a childlike faith. It's a childish faith. See, there's a difference. Jesus calls us to have childlike faith. Trust God. I'm going to jump leap of faith. I'm going to trust God. But some of us stay in a childish faith. You want some symptoms of being in a childish faith? Let me help you here. You're still holding on to a grudge that you had all year and you haven't gotten resolved. You're still treating others as their sins deserve. You're still trying to win favor with God by the length of your quiet time. 
You're still prideful to the input being given. So you've gotten advice from this person and this person, and you're trying to get advice from like 10 different people until you get to hear what you want to hear. Childish faith. You're relying on self rather than on God. You have doubts, maybe, of the elementary teachings of the faith. Baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance, holiness, godliness, sin in general. And you're still stuck. It's just childish. You've been asked certain times to serve in a different capacity, to serve in different ways. And you're, 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 you're stuck in a, I'm just going to do it when I feel called to do it. Instead of a mature, you know what? I'm going to trust God and trust those that God has put to lead his church. And we're going to move forward. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help out. Where can I wash some feet? Give me some stank feet over here. I'm going to wash them. I'm going to wash them. You're at childish faith if you're, still in, if you're holding on to a grudge towards leadership from like 10 years ago. Some of us are like, some of, the, some of us are stuck in our faith because we're there. A leader hurt us, was mean to us, was disrespectful towards us, and now we think all leaders are like that. And so I'm not going to give my heart. I'm not going to trust. I'm going to come. I'm going to show up. I'm going to give my tithe. It's me and God. No, you see what I'm saying? It's childish faith. Because that happened 10 years ago. You're not able to forgive. Childish. Not childlike. I think God wants us to get here. Some Gandalf faith. You know what I'm saying? We want some. God, God says, add to your faith. Let's get some Gandalfs in the mix. Dudes who are going to take and wield the sword of faith. Guys who are going to be mature. Who are going to trust God and trust those in their lives. And so instead of, I'm, I'm just hurt. I'm holding on to this grudge. I'm holding on to this thing from, you know, the past two years. And I just don't trust people anymore. Instead of there, Gandalf says, you know, I'm going to assume the best. I'm going to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Because they are full of the spirit as well as have a sinful nature. And I'm going to love without expecting any return. Childish faith says, I'm going to sit in the back and I'm just going to like watch and then leave at the last song and not talk to anybody. Because I'm just mad. <laughs> Gandalf, Gandalf's faith says, says, you know what? I'm going to sit in the back and I'm going to praise God that I'm here and I'm going to at least say hi to four or five people before I leave because I love the community of believers and I trust them even though that guy never called me back. That girl gave me a bad look. And that guy smells weird. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of us just need to grow up in our faith. Can I get a hearty amen from the church on this? Your move. I love this. This month is MLK weekend in a couple weeks. I love what he says here. So take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Can I call the church this year to just take the first step? 
Can we end 2019 where God, where we know, man, God is amazed by the faith of his people. When we have people going through health challenges, extreme health challenges, but yet are approaching with faith. When we have couples who are dating uh, or who dated before and who maybe break up and it's an emotional turmoil, but yet you approach it with faith. I'm trying to condemn any of our dating couples here. Okay. Dating is awesome. Um, you know, well, we have married couples. We have marriages on the brink, on the brink, on the uh, just one toe step away from divorce. And yet the husband makes a decision to approach it by faith. Or the wife makes a decision to approach it with faith. Take a first step in faith. Well, we experienced tragedy this year. And yet we're able to approach it with faith. Where God stretches us and gives us new responsibilities at work. And we don't know if we're ready for it. And yet God, by faith, we move there and we go there and we do whatever we need to do. And God blesses it because we trusted him. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step in faith. Your move, what I want you to do this week, today, number one, be still. First step to be, having faith is to just sometimes calm down and be still. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. This is very difficult in our society. It's very busy society. Always moving, always doing different things. I have, I have had such a challenge. I went on a getaway this past week with my wife, and I was having a challenge being still. Because I kept on thinking about the sermon on Sunday, and I kept on thinking about the leadership workshop we're about to have, and I kept on thinking. All these different things were in my head, and I couldn't even sleep. And I appreciate my wife just spending time together and just going to the beach, going on a long walk, and just... God, help me to be still. Because in the moments that we're still, God clarifies. God brings clarity. God provides the faith. He increases our faith. You guys follow me on there? I think some of us here just need to be still. And in the stillness, in the stillness, you'll be able to wait on God, to listen to him, to walk in step with him. You'll be able to acknowledge and see what he's already doing at your job what he's already doing at your school, what he's already doing in your neighborhood or in your family or your child's school, and you can, instead of creating opportunities, you can join him in what he's already doing. So he's already providing an opportunity at work for you to grow in your employment and grow in your career. And he's already providing opportunities for you to be an example and to, and to have conversations. People have asked questions about faith, and he's already providing, just join him in that work. Be still in this crazy world. As you're still, respond in faith. Where is he calling you? He doesn't want you to stay in one spot of faith. There's a calling, but we must respond. I want us to take a moment to be still. And I showed this clip last year, a couple, uh, I don't know. But it was a, I think music does something to stir our souls. And for me personally, uh, sometimes 
the prayer, the verbal prayer is hard for me to pray and music sort of helps me to get there. Does that make sense? Um, and so there's this song that, that I, I went back to over and over again last year that just helped me so much in seeing where I need to grow in my faith. And it's this song called Call Me Higher and Call Me Deeper. How God, we stay right here, we're so comfortable in his arms, and yet God calls us higher. God calls us deeper. So I want to play it. I want us to turn off your, turn off your phones, put them down, put your pens down, your Bibles down. Uh, I want us to be still, okay? And I want us to just listen to this song, and then I'm going to pray for communion, and we'll have our communion. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again.
Father in heaven, we come before you attempting on our best way uh, in our gathering here to just be still. To hear your voice, to consider your ways, to see that the most important thing that we can do in our lives is trust you, have faith in you, have confidence, security in you. Father, our sin is that we try to find all of those things, all that fulfillment in different ways, in different areas that are not you. And I pray that as we approach this new year, as we're already in the midst of this new year, God, that we would heed your call to go higher in our faith, to add to our faith. Father, that we would heed your call, even from the song that we just listened to and meditated on, to go deeper. That it is safe to be in your arms, that it is okay to stay, you know, with a little bit of faith, and yet you've called us higher. You've called us deeper. And I pray as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, and as we take the cup that represents the blood of Christ, that we would reflect on how you have called us higher how you have called us deeper, that we would be still, that we would respond in faith, that whatever decisions we make for this year, whatever goals we put before you, whatever prayers that we're going to pray this year, Father, will be done because we trust you completely and we pray and ask that you would be amazed by the faith of your people gathered here today. Thank you for Jesus who trusted you enough to come here to earth, to live amongst man, to show us how to live, and then to die for us. That he responded in faith. He lived out his faith on the cross. Help us to take comfort in that and to grow, to be more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for resurrecting him, raising him from the dead and giving us hope, second chance, 10th chance, 20th chances, God, to do and be who you want us to be. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com. 